Hey, what's up, family? It's Coach Josh. Welcome to another live Q&A with yours truly. Hope you all are doing exceptionally well. If you're watching me for the very first time, I want to say thank you all so much for watching. And if after watching this, you're like, man, I like this guy's vibe, go ahead and subscribe because I would love to be a coach here online. But for those who's been rocking with me, whether you've been a subscriber or a listener of mine for 14 years or 14 minutes, I want to say thank you so much for trusting what God's entrusted in me. And I pray it continues to be treasured. But as everyone is coming in live, getting their questions typed in, I want to add some value. I want to talk today briefly about why we worry. Um, I posted a post on Facebook and on Instagram, I believe, about worrying being an unnecessary weight. And so when I was kind of going through uh, my post to kind of see what the Lord wanted me to speak on, worry popped up on the scene. So let me give you a, a definition of worry, and let me talk about some things, a uh, common reasons why we worry, and I'm going to talk about the reasons why worry is an unnecessary way. But the first thing I want to uh, do is get the definition. Definition of worry is this. Worry is a state, and I'm going to stop there. State is where we live, right? And so right now I'm in the state of North Carolina. You may be in the state of Georgia. Go ahead and post right now what state you're in. And, and that's where you live. I cannot reside, not reside, but I can't have both my feet in two different states. I can't be in North Carolina and Florida at the same time physically, right? So when it says worrying is a state, that means that's a residence. It's a place that has been decided on being upon, right? So worry is a state of unease. Unease. That means I'm not in a place of ease uh, or anxiety about actual or potential problems. Meaning that a person, when they're worrying, they're worrying because they have anxiety about something that is happening or something that may happen. It says uncertainties or negative outcomes. It involves a repetitive cycle of negative thoughts and excessive concern about what might happen in the future. Worrying refers to the active process of engaging in this state of unease and anxiety, often accompanied by mental preoccupation and distress. Now, that definition is layered, and I can do maybe a whole video on that. And if I don't get through this in the next 10 minutes or so, then I'll do a part two. But let's break this down. It says worry is a state. We talked about being in a state, like I'm in a state of North Carolina, of unease or anxiety about actual or potential problems. See, in life, you're going to face problems. The Bible says, in this world, you will face trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer. One of the verses in Proverbs 17 that was of a proverb they was talking about how a cheerful heart is like medicine. See, because uh, we know that we'll face trials and tribulations, we have to be of cheer because it's already overcome the world. But oftentimes we find ourselves anxious about something or have an anxiety about something because we're not anchored in someone. The reason why we're anxious or have anxiety about something is because we're not anchored in the someone. We're not anchored in God. And whatever has your anchor, wherever is your anchor, will determine if you have anxiety or not. It says uh, uncertainties or negative outcomes. Here it is. This is what I want to focus on. It involves a repetitive cycle of negative thoughts. See, thoughts are seeds. Thoughts are probably with words, the most powerful things in our world. They have the power to create. And what we repeat, repeatedly do will determine what we represent. See, a representative is someone that, that represents something. And, and with uh, uh, lifting weights, the more reps you do, or with athletics, the more reps you do, the better representation of it is. And the more thoughts that you repeat in your mind, the more you will deplete, de be depleted in time. 
And so you have to begin to think about what are the negative repetitive cycles of thoughts and excessive concern. There's nothing wrong with being concerned about something. But when you channel that concern through God, that concern will not be excessive. Right? It says about what might happen in the future. And, and worry refers to the act or process of engaging in this state, meaning that you're choosing to engage in it. You're choosing to engage in that concern. You're choosing to engage in that thought. You're choosing to. But if you're choosing to, that means that means but there must be an alternative choice. If I'm choosing to think negative, then there must be an alternative choice, which is positive. And oftentimes we choose the negative because we live in such a toxic world. And sometimes because we're so used to negative, negative makes us comfortable. But when we are in engaging in this state of worry and ease, we are making a choice. We're not even choosing to think on what the word of God says. We're not even choosing to think about uh, what's the alternative to this negative thought, right? And it says it's often accompanied by mental preoccupation and distress. How many people in our world today are excessively engaging in things, preoccupying them from handling what God wants them to handle. Now, let's get some more of my points because I don't want to labor too long. I want to answer some of you guys' questions before it gets too late. But I put here, worry is a weight. The Bible says, lay aside every weight and sin. We have to lay it aside so that we can be able to run the race, right? But think about this. When you stepped on a scale this morning or when you stepped on a scale this weekend or whenever you stepped on a scale, what did it say you weighed? It's interesting that when we step on these scales, these scales don't really weigh all of ourselves. Because how much does a thought weigh? How much does a feeling weigh? How much does our spirit man weigh? Like how much does those things weigh? See, I want to be the weight of me. I want my weight to be the soundness of God's word. I want the weight of me to be the drenchedness of the anointing on my life. I want the weight in my life to be the sound presence of God uh, through his spirit utilizing me. But when worry becomes a weight, I wish that you could take that excessive thought. I wish you could take that negative thought and see how much it is weighing you down. It's crazy that when we're, we're lifting in, invisible weights that's hindering us from carrying the weight of the titles that we hold. How many men right now are unable to carry the weight of husband, to carry the weight of a father because they're carrying the weight of their daddy issue. They're carrying the weight of their anxiety or their fears or concerns about being a man. How many women are right out there right now are heavier than what the scale says because they're excessively engaging in thoughts that they ought not to think. So worry is a weight. An unnecessary weight, right? I have another point. Worry is offensive to a God who can do anything. When we worry, we basically telling God that you're incapable of doing this. It's offensive to God. I'm not saying God gets offended, but that's offensive. Like, fam, you mean to tell me that you're worrying about something that I already worked out? How many people are worrying about things that God has already worked out? The devil knows the best way to weary you is to have you worry. If I have you worry, then I can cause you to be weary. And if I have you, uh, if I can get you weary, I can keep you from being a warrior. And how many people know or don't know that most of the things that happen, happens in the natural, has already happened in the spiritual. 
And so you don't think the enemy sees the heavenly U-Haul truck backing itself into your life, about to deliver the blessing? Do you not remember the story of Daniel that when he prayed that the principality of Persia tried to hinder the angel from bringing an answer through? And you don't think these enemies don't see what's coming to you before you even know it comes to you? And then when you worry about it, you're too weary to actually enjoy what it is that you've been praying for. So it's offensive to God. God's like, man, I can do anything. Also here, worry only sets us up to be embarrassed when God actually comes through. How many, I've been guilty of it. Raise your hand with me. Put it in the chat. Say, hey, hey, coach, that was me. When God actually came through, you was kind of embarrassed. <laughs> My wife said, amen. I've been there. I've been embarrassed when God actually come, came through. I worried. I, I, I was concerned. My wife probably didn't even know I was concerned. And then out of nowhere, it comes through and I'm like, man, I'm too tired to enjoy it. Now, here are three common reasons why we worry. We worry because of number one of uncertainty. Worry often arises from uncertainty about the future or unknown outcomes. When we face situations that are unclear or unpredictable, our minds tend to fill in the gaps with negative possibilities leading to worry. We may worry about potential dangers, failures, or negative consequences because we lack certainty or control over the situation. We have to understand that we are not like the world. The world worries, uh, uh, the world worries because it has no, no, no God to worship, right? But the believers shouldn't worry because we should be certain. There's some things that we should be certain about. Number one thing that we should be certain that God exists. The second thing that we should be certain about, God loves us. The third thing we should be certain about that he sent his son to save us. The fourth thing that we should be certain about is that we have a bright future. One thing that we need to be certain about that we have a father that tends to his children. But we worry often arises from uncertainty about the future or unknown outcomes. Why must we worry about outcomes that are already outcoming towards us? The outcome is already out, coming towards us. We just got to be about our father's business and be in it. And so those things can actually be attracted to us. When we face situations that are unclear or unpredictable, our minds tend to fill in the gaps with negative possibilities. That's what we oftentimes do. When we face situations that are unclear, see, God has a very clear view or unpredictable. A lot of us, especially those who are perfectionists, those who control things, hey, following God's going to make you worry sometime because you can't control. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So things are going to always be unpredictable because the enemy is trying to predict the unpredictable or he's trying to predict what God is trying to do. And so we have to trust that God will bring it through. But our minds will tend to fill in the gaps with negative possibilities. It's crazy. Possibilities, not negative problems, but negative possibilities leading to worry. We may worry about potential dangers, failures, or negative consequences because we lack certainty or control of the situation. So if you want to reverse that, what you got to do is write on a sheet of paper everything you are uncertain about. And then go to the Bible and find what the Word of God says certainly about that thing that you're uncertain about, right? And, and a lot of us, we have to get to the foundation of uncertainty. See, we, it's not that we don't believe, it's just that we don't we don't really trust who we are in Christ. We'll spend more time a little bit later. I'm already past my 10-minute mark, but uh, let's see if I go to 15 or maybe 17, I'll be done. Number two, fear of loss or harm. Worry can stem from a fear of losing something 
or experiencing harm. This fear can be related to various aspects of life, such as personal relationships, health, finances, or professional success. The concern for preserving what we value or avoiding pain and suffering can contribute to persistent worry. The Bible already says in this world we're going to face trials and tribulations and be a good cheer. The Bible says, count it all, join me, go through various trials, knowing this. The, the issue of that is I can be of cheer when I know uh, uh, what, 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 what God says about whatever it is that I'm facing. But some of us, we worry because of fear of loss and or fear of harm. And this, the, the concern for preserving what we value. So the thing is, especially parents, they their, their fear of their kid getting hurt or their fear of, of, of succeeding or anyone succeeding, people get into worry because of the uncertainty and it causes problems. Number, number three, overthinking and catastrophizing. Some individuals have a tendency to overthink and imagine worst case scenarios. I have been guilty of that. Magnifying potential problems. Catastrophizing involves mentally exaggerating the significance of an event or situation, assuming the worst possible outcome. This distorted thinking pattern can fuel worry and heighten anxiety. So how many of us we've done that? We've overthought ourselves into, into, into situations that ain't even real. It's crazy how you can think something to be real, create a scenario that may not even appear in your life, and then all of a sudden it's draining your life. So how many of us have been guilty of, of fearing or worrying because of uncertainty? Number two, fear of loss or harm or overthinking or catastrophizing. And catastrophizing is just mentally exaggerating about a problem. Now, here are a few reasons why worry is considered unnecessary. Like worrying is unnecessary. It's not even beneficial. It can't even add <clears throat> a, a, a height to you. It can't even add a day to you. The Bible says, be, don't be anxious by anything. Or it talks about in, in Matthew 6, those kind of things, right? But here are a few reasons why worry is considered unnecessary. Number one, it doesn't change the outcome. Worrying cannot change the outcome. It actually makes the outcome worse. It actually makes, makes what's already here worse. It says, worrying about a situation doesn't alter the outcome or make a problem disappear. It only consumes, hear that, our mental and emotional energy, leaving us drained and unable to focus on finding productive solutions. Worrying about things that are beyond our control is especially futile as it only adds unnecessary stress. So the only thing worry does is add weight. It adds weight to you physically, it adds weight to you mentally, it adds weight to you emotionally, and it subtracts weight from you spiritually. So it doesn't change the outcome. If it doesn't change the outcome, then change the output. If you want to change the outcome, change your output, meaning you got to put out something differently if you want a particular outcome. But there's no need to worry about it. And a lot of us, we're worrying because of poor work. We worry because we didn't work well. We worry because our lack of work and our lack of worship put us in situations of unease caused by us creating disease, causing us not to be who we need to be. And then all of a sudden, now we have something to worry about because we didn't work it out from the beginning. We didn't work things out of our lives. And so what we got to do if we want to change the outcome, we have to change the output. Put out something different if you want an outcome different, right? Uh, that definition is so late. It consumes our mental emotional energy. The enemy is after what is the business statement? 
the the mission statement of Satan Inc. Or, Incorporated, Satan Corp, to steal, to kill, and destroy. He wants to psychologically put you in a repetitive cycle that drains you of your energy, drains you of your mental, emotional energy. Now, all of a sudden, you've been spiritual anorexic, so you have no spiritual charge to take charge, right? And now, all of a sudden, your child, your daughter, your wife, your husband, your, your family, you have nothing for. And worrying about something that may not even happen. Or if it does happen, you don't have enough weaponry or equity in worship to overcome it. Number two, it hinders problem solving. Excessive worry can cloud our judgment and impair our ability to think clearly and find effective solutions. When we are consumed by worry, our minds are preoccupied with negative thoughts, which can hinder our certainty and prevent us from considering alternative perspectives or options. That's how it is. Listen, either you see problems or you solve problems. You got to be a problem solver. We have to be problem solvers because no matter what it is, there, there is an opposite. Everything has an opposite. Uh, uh, a gentleman that I listen to called Myron Golden, he says, man, have you ever uh, seen a one-sided sheet of paper? He said, have you ever seen a one-sided piece of bread? Have you ever seen a one-sided coin? And if you if 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 that's impossible, then, then every situation has an opposite side. So if you're facing a negative, look on the other side, see a positive. If you see a positive, look on the other side, opposite of negative to prevent the negative because everything has the opposite of it with it. But if you don't see, you don't have the right eyes, then you're going to always see problems. You have to change the way you see things so you can see things the way they ought to be seen. How many people can all be looking at the same situation and see it differently? Only those with optimistic out, uh, outlooks can change the change what they see and solve the problem. So a reason why worry isn't necessary because it hinders problem solving. Man, it keeps you from solving the problem. Number three, it affects our well-being. The devil wants us to be uneasy so we can be full of diseases. Right? Worrying takes a toll on our overall well-being. So we are human beings. And in order for the enemy to hinder us from being who we were human to be, then all he has to do is drain our being into worrying, right? Because he, we don't know that all of us, everything in us is connected. What I choose to think on will affect my emotions and will affect my body. People understand how powerful thoughts are. People don't understand how power emotions, how powerful emotions are. They are vibrational. I'm actually going to do that message over again that I spoke to the youth, but thoughts are vibrational. Emotions are vibrational. And this frame can't handle certain vibrations. <clears throat> it was never meant to handle that. That's why God said, cast all your cares because we were never meant to carry certain cares. They're too heavy for us, but it affects our well-being. Worrying takes a toll on our overall well-being. It can lead to increased stress, anxiety, even physical health problems. Constant worry can disrupt our sleep patterns, appetites, an immune system impacting our overall quality. The devil knows if I can kill the body, I can I can kill the purpose. That's why our preacher said the wealthiest place on earth is the graveyards where people never got the opportunity to fulfill. Uh, by carrying the weight of worry, we put ourselves at risk of experiencing unnecessary suffering. I don't mind going through necessary suffering. 
But the unnecessary suffering, I don't want to suffer through. Last but not least, it distracts from the present moment. Worrying often takes us out of the present moment and transports us into a future that may never come to pass. It prevents us from fully engaging with and appreciating the current moment. Life is meant to be lived in the present and excessive worry robs us of the joy and beauty that can be found in the here and now. Worrying transports us to a port, to a place that we may never, ever see. And it keeps us from being the fathers we need to be, the mothers we need to be. Listen, I'd rather say, God, you know what? You got it. Listen, if you can't control it, then only control what you can control. Only control the output and let God control the outcome. If you don't get anything out of this video, get this. You control the output and let God control the outcome. And usually if your output is based upon the scriptural input, then you will have the, the blessing output that is promised in the word of God. So if this message was a blessing to you, I went 20 minutes on it, but I, it was for somebody out there. And I pray it was a blessing. And I want to take this time to let you guys know about some about our new coaching programs. I don't know if I'm going to labor too long about it, uh, but we have a new program, uh, Life Work. It's for singles, uh, couples, and entrepreneurs. If you're a single person and you're like, hey, man, I want to take my singleness to another level. I want to thrive as a solo person. I want to uh, overcome the pain points of isolation and worrying about if God has the one for me or uh, being uncertain about my purpose. And you are ready to receive the payoffs and receive the success of actually being content in your singleness, actually creating the residual incomes, actually creating uh, uh, other things needed in this season for you to actually enjoy marriage. Then check out Life Work. I'll go ahead and post uh, the links in the chat here. And for those who's listening, or it's called Life Work Communities. And so if you're a single person, hey, I want to take my single tank level, check out our new programs this summer. I'm going to focus in for the rest of the year. I am going to do some one-on-one -on -one coaching, but I'm going to, I've noticed that a lot of people have the same concerns. A lot of people have the same problems. And group coaching provides a synergy. It creates a community. It creates accountability. It creates responsibility that, that it translates into day-to-day -day life. And sometimes if you just talk to me one-on-one, -on -one, that's good. But when you hear another person ask a question, or you get another person in the chat, or you see another person comment, that encouragement can take you a long way because now you're with some like-minded people. And so if you're a single person like, hey, man, I want to uh, join the singles community. We have three uh, entry points of our single community, which is sing the singles community, uh, the singles plus, which means you get a little bit more, like the purpose of singleness podcast, and more live Q&As. And live Q&As that I do in the community are a little bit more engaging and longer uh, because it's on Zoom and all that good stuff. So it's more interpersonal. Also, if you want to join Singles Elite and you really want to be a part of the mastermind and you really want to take your singleness to the next level, check out our communities at lifework.mn.co. And that, that, that link is in the comment section below. If you are uh, according dating uh, or, or engaged or early in marriage. Now, if you marry and you seven years, 10 years married, you still want my support. My wife and I support. We'll love to help you. But our focus is going to be those who are dating, courting, engaged, or five years or less married. 
right? And we want to pour into those couples, letting them know from my experience, my wife will be supporting with the elite programs only. And so check out the elite programs, talk to your husband and spouse, your significant other, and see how we can serve you. And so you can pause the video now and kind of read through and see what you get there. If you're an entrepreneur and you're like, hey, man, I really want to thrive as an entrepreneur. I want to scale back so I can scale up. What does that mean? It means sometimes entrepreneurs, they profit financially, but they're not familypreneurs. You know what I'm saying? They're not taking care of their family. And, and, and so the goal with this program is to help uh, entrepreneurs, uh, new entrepreneurs and high level entrepreneurs for new entrepreneurs to help them develop the structures they need to actually still feed their family, the structures they need to exceed, but not to exceed beyond their family, but also to do entrepreneurship God's way. But for those high level entrepreneurs that's already out there getting it and you know you're losing your son right now, you're losing your wife, you're losing your daughter, you're losing your health, you're losing your walk with God and you want to get back into doing entrepreneurship and be a kingdompreneur and be a familypreneur and a personalpreneur, then check out our entrepreneur programs there. You can pause the video and kind of read through and see what we offer. Uh, again, that link's in the description box below. It's good. It's going to be a blessing. I think it's going to be a benefit to a lot of you all. I think a lot of you all will really benefit from this. Uh, it's not for everyone, but it's for those ones that know, hey, I want to take it to the next level. Now, let's get some questions, and then we're going to get out and get up out of here. I'll probably labor 10 minutes on some questions and we'll go from there. Jonah says, hey, coach, hope you well, my friend. Hope you're still on here. Uh, blank wallpaper says, hey, any advice on dealing with disobedient younger siblings? She's 10. He's seven. She talks back to me. I have to tell them several times to clean up their mess and they ignore them. Let me see. Uh, here we go. Part 2.5. There's times where I've lost my patience and says some things I did not mean to to them out of anger due to their disobedience that I regret so much. Uh, I can't move out at the moment due to my financial situation. So I live with my mom, younger brother and sister. So I pretty much have to put up with it until I move out. Number four, they usually act up when they don't get their way or get told what to do. My younger sister even told me that I am not her mom. That is correct. So it's pretty hard to deal with her. Gotcha. The good thing is you ain't their mom. <laughs> so give give them back to their mom. My mom spoke to them about being disrespectful towards me, but nothing has changed. And I get angry so much because of it. How can I keep my peace? And it's such a great question. First of all, you have to understand what peace is. Peace is, is a mental perspective on who you are as a person, whose you are, and your purpose in life. And what keeps me at a state of peace is realizing that if I let go of my peace, then I lose my pieces. If I keep my peace, my pieces are intact. Peace comes from God. God is the only one that can give you a perspective of the situation because if you lead uh, empty versus leading with empathy, then you will never have anything to empty out to them and give to them and pour into them. So this is what I would do with younger siblings. Number one, realize you ain't their mom and you don't have to stress about that. You don't have to stress about those ain't Those ain't your kids. What you got to do is love on them and use your mom as accountability and not accountability, but accountability to them. And you say, I'm just going to tell your mom. And then, and then actually, you know what? They old enough to be by themselves. If they don't respect you, then listen, then, 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 I will say this, they too young. I'm not sitting there to do all this. I'm talking, I'm, I've am i been around adults. So I'm don't you don't want to give kids your absence. What I would do is lead with love. Lead with love, hug on them, apologize to them, 
uh, spend more time with them. Um, usually respect is garnered through kids when kids feel that you respect and love them. So what I would do is start showing them respect, showing them love, showing them empathy, giving them hugs, spending time with them, find out what they like to do. And when you find out what they like to do and you start engaging what they like to do, then you begin to get leverage to them because they didn't feel you care. You have to understand, kids don't understand relationships. Kids don't understand how to engage. They're, they don't have the capacity. You have the capacity. Now you got to do is you got to start pouring more in or being poured into more through spending time with God, uh, 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 um, self-care, taking care of yourself and enjoying your life. Because then when you are poured more into, because sometimes when we pour out and we don't get poured into and when we're empty, then we become uh, uh, angry. But when you are practicing self-care and you end the scriptures delicately and allow the scriptures to care for you, then you'll be able to care for them and you'll begin to see a supernatural leverage begin to occur and they'll start respecting you more. But I'm going to tell you something about kids. When they know they got you, they'll keep going after you. So what you got to do is let them know they ain't bothering you. <laughs> Ignore them. And then tell their mama. And then go about self-care. Go about there, read the word. Go out for a walk. Do what you love to do. And then they'll, 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 they'll tighten up. Hope they help. Jamar says, hey, coach, hope you well. All right, let me hurry up and get through these. My brother says, PTO says, hey, coach, congratulations, man. Proud of you, man. Graduate nursing school after trying again. Applying your words has been helping. One day I want a session to update you on the future. Let me know, family. And also, if you need one-on-one -on -one coaching, go to mycoachjosh.com under the coaching tab. Hit one-on-one -on -one coaching. You'll see all of the coaching programs that I offer from the singles, the couples, the entrepreneurs. If you're an author or a speaker or a life coach and you need help in developing your businesses, uh, there's options for you there too. I'm proud of you, man. Good work, man. Definitely let me know. Well, I would love to connect with you. My brother says, but do you have guidance as a young man about to start out in the world after getting the career? Great question. Well, the thing is, uh, you're in the world, but you're not of it. And when you know that you're in the world, then you'll be like an ambassador in another country. Right now, you are an ambassador on behalf of the kingdom of God, operating through your creative and career endeavors to ensure that the kingdom of God is advanced through you through the intangible fruit of the spirit, which is love, joy, peace, all that good stuff, right? Which becomes the attractive aura, the magnet that draws people to you. And then you're able to give the hope that's in you to them. And then you'll be able to help them. But the thing is, <clears throat> in order for that to be effective, you have to be a master of your craft. Because people don't care less <clears throat> about the master you serve if you don't serve mastery. Mm. People don't care less about the master you serve if you're not serving mastery. Uh, pe people don't care about uh, the cross on your shoes if your shoes ain't good. People care about good shoes. People care about good work. People care about good. And so if you are a master of your craft, then people will come to you asking about why there's a little anointing, a little extra sauce on your craft. And on your mastery, then you can tell the master that that follows you. And then when they start seeing success in your life and begin to see the intangible and tangible and financial success in your life, then they'll be ears be open. To, we had a millionaire come into my economics class. It was so funny. Very smart move in what he did. He started giving $5 bills for every person that engaged or asked a question or read something that he had on one of his papers. Soon as he started giving out all these $5 bills, $2 bills, and $1 bills, stuff like that, but he had the whole room's attention. <laughs> Everybody was engaged. People was raising their hands. People was about to fight in the middle of the classroom. I said it first. I raised my hand. People don't care nothing about if you have nothing to help them with. 
So go into the world knowing that you're an ambassador. Be in the world, but don't be of it. Because when you know when you in it, then you can win it. If you of it, then you will be shoved from it. And what I mean by that is this. When you know that you're in, you will always stay in the kingdom of God. I mean, in the presence of God, because you know you're on assignment. <clears throat> and if and if you continue to engage, then the world and the people it will begin to see your mastery. And they want to hear from your master, and, and then the, uh, then the, the effect will go. So what I would do is, I would um, really write down your weaknesses and your strengths, and your creative endeavors, and begin to look for accountability to safeguard your weaknesses while allowing the Holy Spirit to work in those different areas and to begin to embrace the ambassador mindset. Man, that's a powerful concept. I might have to work on that a little bit. The ambassador's mindset in the world, but not of it, because if you of it, then you'll be, the effect will be off. And so I hope that helped. I went all, I went all over the place with that, but I pray it was a blessing to you, family. Blank Wallpaper said, thank you in advance. Sorry for the long, no, no problem. I don't care how long the question is. I got you. Peter, I want to know the best way to build holistically from here on out. Uh, look at yourself in every angle, spirit, soul, mind, and body. Create, okay, spirit, look at yourself. I do this with my program. So mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, financially, relationally, and creatively. These are the seven things you got to examine. So examine where you are mentally, the bad thoughts, the good thoughts. Examine where you are emotionally, the bad feelings, the good feelings, and which ones are 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 are, are strongest in your life. Spiritually, where are you with your walk with God? Scale to one to ten. Physically, you got to examine where you are health-wise, and do you have structures to sustain health? Uh, and uh, financially, see how you manage your money. How's your budgeting looking? Relationally, how are you with God? Relationally, relationally, how are you with yourself? Relationally, and how you are with people? Relationally, and creatively. That when you examine all those seven things, and those who really want to help, want to see me unpack those different things, go to lifework.mn.co. That's the substratum of the course. That's the substratum of the community. We, we go through those seven things, right? And each day of the week pertains to those, those seven things. And I and each level of the community gets a little bit more unpacked about that and help them really begin to have that success. So I hope to help. Nicole says, yes, while I'm in this home buying process, God is constantly <clears throat> showing me that he will supply my needs. Amen. Take everything to God in prayer. Take everything. To God in prayer. Be anxious about the Bible says, do not be anxious. I love that because that's a command. Do not be anxious. Only an authority figure can tell someone or people, don't be anxious. That means, hey, I'm really good at what I do. Don't be anxious. Be anxious for nothing, but with with uh everything with prayer and supplication. Prayer means I'm talking to God. The more you talk to God, the more you walk with God. Think about that. The more you talk, like. Who, how many people went on a walk with somebody they never talked to before? Talking led to walking. With prayer and supplication, supplication, man, there's going to be some things you're going to have to really, hey, man, I, I just need, I'm, 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 I'm supplying, <clears throat> I'm supplicating this thing right now because, man, I just, I'm not where I need to be. But what does it say with? With Thanksgiving. You can't just pray and you just can't petition and you can't just be supplicating without a uh, 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 great uh, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving puts the prayer request in perspective. The Bible says, uh, be anxious for nothing but prayer, prayer, supplication with Thanksgiving. Make your request known to God. Make it known to him. God wants you to let him know what's going on. 
And then the Bible says the peace of God. You know when you go on Amazon and you place an order, right? What do you usually get? Always get. You get a confirmation email. The confirmation email that we get from heaven. See, the thing about heaven, heaven is not Amazon. Heaven is not a, 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 a job that pays you every two weeks. Sometimes you could be working for Heaven Incorporated, Heaven LLC. You can be working for Heaven and don't get paid for the two years. <laughs> what I mean, I'm just joking. What I'm saying is sometimes we expect Heaven's deliveries to be like Amazon deliveries and, 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 and thinking that it's going to send in Prime. No, no. God sends his deliveries not through Prime, but through Prime Time. God doesn't send answered prayers prime like Amazon. He sends it prime time. There's a certain time where it's prime. You're primed for the time. And he'll give you his peace for confirmation. His peace lets you know I heard you. <laughs> and that should be good enough. The, heaven, the, the God of everything heard you. That's enough for me. You heard me. And now that I know you heard me. And this peace, which surpasses my understanding. I don't even understand why. You know, maybe you ever been praying and you just been praying. And the overwhelming peace comes to you like, God, what? <laughs> so what? You, you, you good with this? I'm good with this? It surpasses your understanding. You can't even comprehend it. Then the peace of God, which surpasses your understanding, will keep your heart in mind. Then why does it? Why? See, God gives you peace before the person. He gives you peace before the product. He gives you peace before the property. He gives you peace before the place. He gives you peace before the paycheck. He gives you peace before. Why? Because it keeps your heart in mind. By who? Christ Jesus. If Jesus ain't the Lord of your life, and if you ever received him as your savior, then how can his peace keep you from falling into pieces? I better go. I feel my strength. <laughs> Done for the day. And it's also 1028. Love you all. Thank y'all so much. Trust me with your questions. Hey, these live Q and A's. I'm gonna be doing them often. I'm also gonna give you. I'm always gonna give you value in the beginning, because I love preaching. I love teaching, and I love I love equipping the people. And and um, oh man, y'all check out my latest book, man. Good gracious, multi purpose, man. A lot of these things come from my book, multi purpose. I got the book right here. Where it is, right? But the glare, you can't really see it. How to find and fulfill your purpose in life. This book is probably the best book I've written. I really believe it. Multi-purpose. How to find and fulfill your purpose in life. Purpose is all around you. And this book, man, it's a treasure. It has a podcast that goes with it. has QR codes. I don't know if y'all can see it. Let me see if I can show one of the QR codes. Well, anyway, there's QR codes in there. This book talks about how to become a multi-purpose person. God is looking for versatile people. That's why we go through various trials so we can be versatile and last a while. Man, this book is so powerful. I wish to, uh, everyone needs to get this book. Everyone who is sure or unsure about their purpose. Everyone who is uh, want to better understand what it, the purpose of a father, the purpose of a husband, the purpose of a wife. And I'll be doing, um, we also got 30 day challenges in the book for, for fathers, mothers, entrepreneurs, teens, all that good stuff. Go to Amazon.com day, get your book. It's in a link in the description box below it's in the chat for those who are in there. I love y'all so much. Thank y'all uh, for trusting me with y'all's questions. I'll catch y'all next time. Love y'all. Peace.